This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. The United Nations study out this week finds domestic violence is one of the most common killers of women around the world. About 50,000 women were killed in 2017 by an intimate partner or relative. On average, that means about 137 women were killed every day by family members. Paul Violis is a CBS News security consultant, an accomplished author, and a renowned global security and law enforcement expert. With over 35 years of experience, he's dedicated his life to finding solutions for the problems that keep you up at night. This is Security Matters with Paul Violis. Welcome to Security Matters, where your security matters most. I'm Paul Violis, and this is a CBS News radio production. I want to thank everybody for hitting us up. Uh, as always, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you guys are great. Excellent feedback on, on past episodes. And most importantly, I appreciate, I appreciate you writing in and telling us what you want to hear. Big shout out to my mom's group. Moms, I love you. Moms, you know I love you. You're great. Keep writing us in because what, what you're doing is you're helping me make sure that we're touching on all the issues that are keeping people up at night across the country. So big shout out to my mom's group. Um, Please remember to make sure you hit us up at violas.com on the, uh, on the cold case part of our podcast page. Remember, we have initiated the first ever major media police partnership. And with our monthly FOP cold case, we are putting our cold case notes up there. We need your help with this. First case we launched, we've got another one coming this month. First case we launched, we have three dead women. We have one unsub by DNA matched to all three. There's a lot of information on those cold case notes that are up there. So please look. If you have any information, give those folks a call. Ladies and gentlemen, today, for those of you that have been with me for a while in this brief uh, media career of mine, you know how I feel about this subject. Can't think of too many things that are near and dearer to my heart than this subject. We are extremely blessed to have extraordinary guests today. Um, but as we take a pause to direct our attention to National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, I want to dedicate today's show to all of those spectacular souls who we have lost as a result of domestic violence. Before I, uh, before I introduce our two, our exceptional guests today, I have a message from our friends at the Fraternal Order Police and right from the executive board. Once they heard that we were going to be talking about this particular subject today and especially um, sharing the information, the great work the ABA is doing, the American Bar Association. Uh, they had wanted to add this. So, and I quote, as the largest law enforcement organization in the nation, the Fraternal Order Police reasserts its ongoing commitment to combating the scourge of domestic violence across the United States. During National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we pause to consider the devastating toll these crimes inflict on our communities and relationships. The foundation of our nation rests upon the twin principles of liberty and justice, and we cannot tolerate crimes that undermine the ability of anyone to pursue either. 
We also take note of the hundreds of thousands of law enforcement officers who respond to domestic-related crimes every day. Horrific acts of domestic violence are all too common, and our nation's law enforcement officers are duty-bound to bear witness and bring justice to the victims of these crimes. We also acknowledge the difficult work all of our community partners in fighting domestic violence, including the many advocates, clergy, health care providers, prosecutors, and educators who know firsthand how domestic violence unfairly ruins lives everywhere it is found. When it comes to domestic violence, we will not rest in our commitment to ensure the protection of every American from these unlawful crimes. And we salute and applaud and support the great efforts of the American Bar Association. That's coming right from the FOP president, Patrick Goes, who's a great guy. And that sets us off perfectly. I want to start off by introducing our first guest, uh, who's truly a national subject matter expert. The thing that really sets uh, our, our David apart is the fact that he embodies everything that's really good about the system. Uh, and oftentimes our system doesn't get the kind of notoriety for the selfless dedication, the time, the energy, the effort, the sacrifice that goes in to serving victims. It also shows that the American Bar Association um, put their money where their mouth is. They, the American Bar Association stepped up and did something did something dramatic, something profound to help this country, to help our victims. And it's, it's David Martin that's going to share that. David Martin is a senior deputy prosecutor for the King County Prosecutors, uh, Prosecuting Attorney's Office in the great city of Seattle, Washington. He also serves as supervisor of their domestic violence unit and has been there for just about 20 years. He also serves on the domestic violence task forces and work groups and authored several of Washington's new criminal domestic violence laws, including removal of the marital rape exception, stalking reform, batterer treatment study, felony domestic violence sentencing reform, and strangulation. David was a commission member with the American Bar Association's Commission on Domestic Violence, I'm sorry, on domestic and sexual violence from 2012 to 2015. And by all of our estimations, certainly me, there's no question that he is a true subject matter expert and someone we should all be grateful for that we have in our system. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Paul, thank you. And thank you for such um, kind remarks. It's very generous of you. I'm humbled to, to hear you say that. Well, it's all true, David. And you know what? It's, 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 it's being able to have the opportunity to share with our incredible audience here at CBS News Radio that we have people like you, that have dedicated their time. A lot of people don't understand the amount of sacrifice that goes into the, the meetings you miss, the family affairs you miss, everything that you miss to dedicate your time. So let it be told right now while we have this stage that, you know what, it's really appreciated. It's really appreciated. I say that on behalf of everybody here. Um, I want to start out, and I would like you, if you can, educate us on the Power Act of 2018. Yeah, the Power Act of 2018 is some federal legislation that um, the Commission on Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault was involved in. And, you know, the commission's mission is to increase access to justice for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking by mobilizing the legal profession to provide access for those same survivors. And the Power Act, you know, it's just really a, um, a fantastic piece of legislation which authorizes judges in each of the federal judicial districts to host public events annually to promote free legal services for survivors of 
domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking. So you're trying to bring together lawyers and subject matter experts to get the things that victims really need, which is civil legal assistance. And this is something that's really important to me. I was a kid who grew up in a home with domestic violence, so I've seen firsthand how important it is not just to have a police response, but to have lawyers who can kind of later on unpack all the difficulties that happen from a domestic violence relationship and in a family. And this is something we've studied a lot in Washington State. Um, our state Supreme Court here in Washington found that victims of domestic violence and sexual assault experience the most civil legal problems of all. So not only is DV terrible and risky and violent, it creates untold civil problems for people that's impacting their lives that goes on for years and years. And if we can address those problems, we can give people a, um, a better foot forward to try and move on with their lives, not be caught up in the criminal justice system. And that's something the, the ABA is the clear leader on. And they've inspired me in my work to try and incorporate those things into the criminal practice here in King County. And you know, one of the things too, David, is the fact that, and, and, and I really do want to emphasize this, the fact that this is pro bono. I mean, you have got... Lawyers like yourself, subject matter experts around the country under the auspices of the ABA and the ABA's Commission on Domestic and Sex Violence to dedicate their time, judges to dedicate their time, to bring people into their respective communities to passionately and preemptively deal with this epidemic of violence that we have in this country. Pro bono meaning what? Tell us what really the mantra is on that committee. Yeah, well, the pro bono, of course, means that you're getting people to volunteer their time and do it for free. And the mantra of the committee, again, is mobilizing the legal profession. So you're trying to get lawyers who are, you know, lawyers uh, charged by the hour. Many of them do. And many victims of domestic violence and sexual assault cannot afford their own lawyer. Let me give you an example of that. My okay. unit helps provide um, civil protection orders in King County. We're a jurisdiction of just over 2 million people, about five to 6,000 people we are helping every year with civil protection orders. 90% of them do not have access to their own lawyer. They can't afford it. Many of them don't speak English. Many have all sorts of challenges along the way to try and get access to justice. And so when you can provide somebody a lawyer, it not only solves, helps solve the immediate legal problems they have, but it puts them in a place to have a, a better life going forward. And it's not just me and kind of my own experience saying that. It's been studied by uh, the University of Washington here in Seattle and jurisdictions across the United States that providing lawyers to people helps reduce domestic violence and helps people achieve uh, better justice in their cases. Now, Seattle has a reputation of being very proactive uh, in terms of helping victims. Now, so if you don't mind, Davis, David, take us to the next level and tell, tell us about trauma-informed training. What is that? Who developed it? And how is that really being disseminated around the country? Yeah, and this, so this is both an old and a new concept. For, the, for your listeners who are involved in law enforcement, there's always been people who have been um, really great interviewers and investigators and, and people persons, right? They're, they're, they're great at working with people. Trauma-informed uh, training is recognizing that um, victims of domestic violence and sexual assault have a lot of um, emotion and pain and distress that are as a result 
of repeated instances of domestic violence and sexual assault. And you have to take that into account because it has both short-term consequences following trauma, shock and denial, and longer-term consequences of fear, uh, sometimes inability to connect, uh, inability to cope with the long-term impacts of what's going on with them, really similar to what happens for people coming back from a war environment, a combat environment. And so what we see with victims of domestic violence and sexual assault is those who can approach and understand that harm and understand the trauma and incorporate it into their response, they do, a, they do a better job of connecting with people. This is really important because you only get kind of one chance to make a first impression, right? And every single case exactly. in the criminal justice system, any legal system, begins with a conversation. That conversation can go really well or it can go poorly. And we want people to feel trust and respect. And so when we're working with our colleagues in law enforcement, I'm working with junior deputies who are coming up in my office, or even court systems, to have people have good initial contact, not just kind of just the facts, but more than that, understanding what's going on with people's lives, connecting with them, you'll get better and more information, and you'll hold those who offend better accountable because you have a better understanding of what's going on. You know, I'll tell you what it brings to light, and I have to share this, um, and for those of, those of our listeners that have been with me a while, even before I came to CBS, you, you may have heard me, you probably heard me mention this before, but David, this reminds me of the very first domestic violence case that I responded to. I think I was all of just bright, just walking on 20 years old at that point. Um, coming from a home culturally that, you know, my dad revered my mom. There was you know, nothing but respect there. So this was foreign to me when I walked into this. To your point, to the ABA's point, back then, obviously I'm talking 40 years ago, there was no training on this. There wasn't even a discussion on this. So I messed up that interview so bad, it was, it was horrible. But by the grace of God, I had a victim that was willing to be forgiving and even empathetic, and he should actually show and, and kind of taught me as I went along. Mm-hmm. I made one of the cardinal mistakes, Dave, and when I was interviewing her, I walked in, and this is a law enforcement perspective, and this is why I, everyone that's listening from all the different, the, the wide demographic that we have, this is how a cop can screw something up. I mean, I walk in, and I, I look at her, and she had, David, she had this knot over her eye that was grapefruit size, and we had just locked up the guy, threw him in the back of the car. So I walked over to her, and I said, and I cringe every time, I cringe every time I, I, I say this, but I walked over to her and I said, why do you stay with him? Now, of course, I didn't mean anything by it, mm-hmm. but you couldn't be, <laughs> that couldn't be the, that had to be the worst thing you could possibly yeah. see because you're, you're blaming her, right? You're right. re-victimizing the victim. But absent proper training to all of our listeners, mm-hmm. that's how somebody who really does mean good screws things up yeah. with proper training. We, and what David's talking about is you're empowering the entire criminal justice system to be better, right. to be more efficient, to be more effective. And that is, is so, so very important. So, I, David, I, I just wanted to throw that in there because, it, 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 listen, if we don't learn from our mistakes, then we're not learning. Yeah. And um, that's why from, a, you know, from someone who spent his life in service like that, I just wanted to recall that, that memory and add to just the great value of this entire process and this initiative nationwide. Now, you talk about domestic violence and talk about sexual violence, but tell me about how much of the training goes into stalking. 
Well, you know, stalking is still a developing area, and I think it's been changing, uh, especially recently with the, with the rise of social media and the cyber aspects of stalking and all of these things. My unit is the one who deals with all of the stalking cases in King County. So even if it's stranger stalking or what have you, uh, and we're lucky to have one of the few certified trainers nationally by the Stalking Resource Center. But importantly, is this is a, a manifestation of uh, those people who are obsessed um, and need to, you know, kind of, whether for domestic reasons, sexual reasons, or other reasons, focus on other people. And today, it's just so much easier to do than it ever was before. All the different ways that right. people can be tracked um, and other things. And it becomes a challenge, I know, for our partners in law enforcement because of the amount of technology and knowledge that you need to have to be able to investigate these right. cases appropriately. So I think it is a challenge. It's a growing challenge, and we have to kind of meet the cyber needs of public safety better today than we have. Well, I agree. And, you know, we look at uh, just about 78% use more than one means to stalk today. And an estimated, for those of you that don't know, an estimated six to seven and a half million people are stalked every year. And and with that, I'd like to introduce our our second guest today, Kathleen Gallagher, the safety chick herself, is joining us. Kathleen, for those of you, very few, for those very few that don't know, <laughs> Kathleen, she is an author, a TV personality, and personal safety expert, a true personal safety expert. She was the victim of a stalker and kidnap attempt at gunpoint. And from that experience, helped pass the nation's first anti-stalking laws. She is a regular contributor on shows like the Today Show and Inside Edition teaching safety tips and featuring all types of personal safety products and apps she tours nationally. When it comes to somebody who really understands the subject, it's Kathleen. Kathleen, thank you very, very much for taking the time to join us today at your busy schedule. Well, it is my pleasure because what an incredible, incredible uh, thing that we heard from David. I mean, that's exactly... That's exactly what we need in this day and age with, with everything that's going on between the domestic violence victims and the stalking victims. So it's just wonderful to hear. So, so Kathleen, I mean, you, you have, I mean, in the years that we've worked together, you have definitely taught me a lot. But one thing is you, you have, um, and it, you know, her, horrific as it was, but you have some just fascinating insight. So from someone who was stalked, kidnapped, and nearly murdered. How important is what David's talking about and the American Bar Association's initiative to take this type of trauma kind of training out to the criminal justice system? Oh, it's, it's incredibly important because, you know, again, after being stalked for, you know, 15 years, I had to learn the system myself. I had to become my own case manager. So the system is very fragmented. So when you're the victim of domestic violence or stalking, it's very difficult to know, you know, what to do, who to go to, or how to protect yourself. So, you know, going back when I was being stalked, there wasn't even the word stalking. The police would say, look, until he lays a hand on you, there's nothing we could do. And then years later, when I would obtain a restraining order and he would violate that restraining order, you know, I'm at the mercy of going in, you know, you are traumatized. You're just living in fear. And I would go into the district attorney and, and you know, uh, he would be getting ready for court and, you know, you're just kind of thrown into this system that you know nothing about. And the guy would have, you know, a stack of rape and murder cases on his desk, you know, a foot high. And he's got to get through all those. And he's asking you about, you know, what went on, because my main focus is that, 
you know, the only time a stalking victim or a domestic violence victim feels safe is when their attacker is in, you know, behind bars. And so my goal every time he was arrested for violation of restraining order was to keep him behind bars for as long as possible. And a lot of times as a victim, you feel like the, the defense attorneys or whoever you're dealing with are just kind of plea bargain, plea bargain, plea bargain, just to get their cases off instead of really focusing on what's going on with that victim. And especially in the case of stalking, because as we know, stalking is in order to prove a case of stalking, you have to prove a laundry list of behavior. So, you know, with with what I learned, you know, I really right. had to empower myself to be the caseworker. But boy, hearing that there is a, you know, a program like that where victims can have people one on one that really do understand what's going on. Um, I think that that just will will help immensely. And honestly, um, you know, because of the process can be extremely intimidating and traumatic. Um, you know, a couple of times you go down there and, and, you know, it, it just, it just is too much. And I think that that's why a lot of domestic violence victims stay in, in relationships and sexual assault or stalking victims, you know, give up and, and live in fear. It's just, it's just too overwhelming. So, so Kathleen, listen, you, I know you have provided training to corporations and to communities, to private groups, to private families across the United States for many, many years now. You, you had a chance to listen to, 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 listen to, to David and just the, the exemplary work that he and his, his team are doing in Seattle, but also the work as, as a former member of the commission for the ABA and everything that the ABA is doing. As a trainer, as a subject matter expert, as a victim, as a survivor, what type of information do you, would you share with that audience, if they if they were in your audience, what what information would you tell them? You know, it's interesting because when we first passed the anti-stalking law um, in California, and then it started to pass, you know, throughout every state, I worked with the threat management unit out of the LAPD because that that they were the first threat management unit in the country, and then we formed a group called ATAP, the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals. But I went with these, you know subject matter experts, law enforcement professionals, as a victim and trained all of the first responders and prosecutors in that in, in various states because this was the first time that they were dealing with this word and, you know, law, you know, anti-stalking. Right. So I know very, very well. But the thing, the thing is, is, you know, again, what is so important to impart on the audiences, the people that, that, that are dealing with the victims is, boy, you just want to make – make that victim feel that they are not alone, that you're there to, to work together with them as a team. You believe them, you know, you encourage, and, and this is another thing, you really want to encourage the victim to work as their own right. case manager, you know, so, so to speak, and, and take action, you know, along with the support group around them, because that is the key. That is the way, that's the order, you know, in order to get their power back. And that's what it's all about. Oh, that's that's exceptional. And and you know what, um, David, I'm going to come back to you here as we kind of wrap this up. But I want to interject one thing, which I think, David, I think you'll appreciate. So as I had mentioned earlier, um, I'm coming into year 40, which just makes me feel exceptionally old uh, <laughs> since I was sworn in. <laughs> but I, unlike... Other guys that and that that spent careers in in law enforcement and government, I was trained how to investigate 
by attorneys because in lieu of going into the PD, I went directly into the Manhattan DA's office. So I was trained by lawyers. And the reason I'm saying that, I mean, David, to you, but the reason I'm telling everyone, reiterating my background here, is because it was one of the greatest gifts that I had. I love my law enforcement brethren, but when you're trained by the individual that's prosecuting a case, you get the totality of the criminal justice system presented to you in the best way possible. So you understand the players, the responsibilities, what each one needs in order for them to do their job for us to successfully prosecute a case. So my message is you couldn't have it coming from anyone better than David Martin and from the ABA if we're really going to take a strong look at how we need to improve how we're handling domestic violence. So David, with that, as we reflect on National Domestic Violence Awareness Month in October, what is your message to our entire CBS News Radio audience? My message to your CBS News audience is I would encourage them to get involved in their local community, just like Kathleen was talking about. I mean, her experience is so powerful, but she went out and she did something about it. I think everybody in their own way can do something about it. If you're a parent, you should go to your kid's school and ask them, what are we doing at our school to prevent domestic violence, sexual assault, and stalking? Do we have a plan? Do we have a program? Right? If you're in public safety, go look at your process and your protocols. Are we doing what we need to do to work with victims right on the front end? Are we doing as good of a job to make them feel welcome, like Kathleen was saying, engaging with them in a way that's really going to make them feel comfortable so we're going to have better cases down the road? If you're a lawyer, volunteer to help some people out, just like the ABA is trying to encourage and inspire people across the country to do. And for my fellow prosecutors, make sure that this is a priority in your office. There are some offices across the country doing an amazing job with this. But like everything, there's places where there are gaps. I think really reflecting and looking at your own practice and saying, is this a priority? Is this a first-class response? Second class doesn't get us anywhere with this issue. You need to be first class. And so if that's your, if that's your mantra, if you're focused on prevention and making sure you have a great response and doing the work in a first class way, we're going to have success. That's fantastic. Kathleen, I'm going to flip to you for the same thing. What is your message? What do you want all of our victims? And also, what do you want the family and friends of victims to know? Well, you know, if you, if you or a friend find yourself in a dangerous situation, if you find yourself in a domestic violence, you know, victimization, stalking, don't think that you can't get out of it. There are people out there that can help. There are people out there, obviously, as we heard from David, willing to help. Um, but you need to take that step and become your own, as I say, case manager, or really, as I joke, become the CEO of your life. Because it's not about living in fear. It's, a, it's about living strong and smart. And really, truly, living weakened in fear is so debilitating. But really taking the action, the first steps, you know, researching, going to those groups, getting help is the first step in helping you live a safe, smart, positive, and happy life. And Kathleen, if somebody wants to learn more about what you do or communities, as far as helping communities and training and educating, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, www.safetychick.com. It's S-A-F-E-T-Y-C 
C-H-I-C-K.com. Terrific. And and David, if people want to learn more about trauma-informed training, if they're not aware of it right now and they want to learn more about it, how, how can they do that? How can we get more people involved? Well, gosh, there's there's a lot of resources out there, which I'll I'll make sure to forward to to include on your website. And I also say, like, if Terrific. there are people in public safety who want to talk with me about domestic violence and sexual assault response, we love talking, whether it's through the American Bar Association or the Association of Prosecuting Attorneys, who we have a group that works nationally on these issues, these these exact right. issues. So I'm David Martin at KingCounty.gov. Perfect. Well, I will make sure that we post on our CBS site uh, at cbsaudio.com. We'll also post it on violas.com, how you can get in touch with David, how you can get in touch with Kathleen. Very, very important that we understand that we do have the ability right now by utilizing subject matter experts and the process that's been put in place to really preemptively address this through top tier level of education. Ladies and gentlemen, we have far too many people being victimized. We need to do something about this. We need to do something much more passionately and aggressively, and this is the kind of solution that's gonna work. So David, uh, I, I can't thank you enough, Kathleen, as well, and hopefully you two guys can, can connect and work together. It sounds like you'd make a great team. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that, that would be I, great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And so on behalf of everyone here at, uh, at Security Matters and CBS News Radio, I wanna thank you both. Uh, for for coming on, and and God willing, we'll be able to talk soon. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas on the CBS News Radio Network. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There is shock and grief tonight in Sacramento, California. A rookie police officer was gunned down responding to a domestic violence call. Tara O'Sullivan is the first officer killed in the line of duty in Sacramento in 20 years. Jamie Ucas is there. We're devastated tonight. Officer Tara Christina O'Sullivan gave her young life while protecting our community. The nightmare unfolded in seconds. Multiple shots fired, multiple shots fired. Officer down, officer down. But seemed to last an eternity. High-powered rifle, multiple reloads. Sacramento police officer Tara O'Sullivan lay on the ground, hit by gunfire. The 26-year-old rookie had just helped a woman leave an abusive home. Officers swarmed in, but the suspect, Adele Sembrano Ramos, kept firing, pinning them down. Do not believe a rescue can be accomplished yet until we lock down where he's out. We still don't know exactly where the shooter is. Sacramento police tried to radio the stricken officer. When they get here, we'll move in and make a barricade to pull you out. But by then, 44 agonizing minutes had passed. Officer O'Sullivan was pronounced dead at a nearby hospital. Now, back to Security Matters with Paul Violas. Welcome back to Security Matters. I'm Paul Violas. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening because David Martin, just a great prosecuting attorney out of Seattle, Washington, but a real good, solid human being, a great leader. And of course, the safety check herself, Kathleen Gallagher, somebody who has been through some of the most terrific things you can imagine and dedicates every day to keeping people safe, specifically protecting women. So a big thanks from everybody here at CBS News Radio and, and certainly Security Matters. As we wind this down, I want to just close with with this message. I've learned a lot about working with domestic violence victims over my almost 40 years now in in public service. I will tell you that the vast majority of what I learned, I learned from victims themselves. 
What I do know, and God knows there's a lot more of what I don't know than what I do know, but what I do know is that domestic violence victims need options and resources. They don't need to be told what to do. They don't need to be yelled at. They're already getting that from the batterer. They need patience, and God knows that's something that we all need to work on, but they need patience. They need education. Family and friends, if you believe that this is happening to someone you love, don't sit back, get involved. It may be the most difficult thing you've got to deal with, but deal with it because the thing that's worse is if God forbid you find out that they died and you could have done something about it, you got to live with that. And that is something you don't want to live with. The American Bar Association is introducing something that's really, really fantastic. We are going to use here uh, all of our contacts within our partners at the Fraternal Order Police to partner with the ABA and make sure that they expeditiously get this out to all the communities so we can better help this country. That's what we're here to do. That's it. That's our, that, that's our agenda with this show. That's it. Nothing else. So on behalf of everybody here at Security Matters, again, please know that we dedicate uh, today's show to all those spectacular souls who we've lost at the hands of domestic violence. May God rest their soul. And on behalf of everybody here, we thank you for listening. Be safe, be well. God bless. Thanks for listening to Security Matters with Paul Violas. The podcast is produced by Seth Nyman and CBS News Radio. For more podcasts from CBS News, visit cbsaudio.com slash podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.